Welcome to the personal jukebox. My name is Simon, and I was due to be joined by a new guest, maybe, on this podcast. But that's fell through due to the various COVID um, shiznit and stuff like that. So instead, it's a, it's a good time for everybody out there. <laughs> joined by the, uh, the, the Simon Jordan of the Personal Jukebox <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> it's indie rock and roll for him. It's Stuart Boyd. How you doing? Second string, <laughs> straight out of the reserves. <laughs> Do you like that what? intro? Simon Jordan. <laughs> you, yeah. Do you like a bit of Simon Jordan? I read his book. Yeah. Um, oh, it was really good. He's, yeah. Do you ever hear him on TalkSport? I avoid TalkSport, like... Yeah, yeah. I kind of only listen to... I'll, I'll listen when he's on with, with the wetter Jim White. Yeah. yeah. He looks like someone I used to know, mm. now that he's gone with the thick specs and... <laughs> And the big collars, so there's connotations there. But his book's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never read it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good bit of kit. I, I think all I re- re- remembered him for before was, um, didn't he get, like, robbed on the street or something? There was a big story about oh, that. So, yeah, that does ring a bell. Yeah. I'm sure he got robbed on the street by, like, um, uh, a couple of guys on a moped or something. Pull up, give me your Rolex kind of thing, and off they buggered. Yeah, there might have been something about that um, <laughs> in his book. Um, the, st- the story I remember from his book. Oh, this this was brilliant. It was, yeah. it was um, when he'd just taken over at Palace, and Steve Koppel was um, yeah, in yeah, charge, yeah, yeah. and it was his first friendly, and they got battered at Millwall, and he just signed Neil. They just signed Neil Ruddock, but Neil Ruddock didn't play. Okay, because um, he couldn't. They couldn't find a pair of shorts to fit him, <laughs> um, and he's having a go at Koppel yeah. after the game, and he's like, oh, and why didn't Ruddock play? And Koppel says to him, he says. Well, we haven't got a pair of shorts to fit him. I couldn't have sent him out in knees. He'd have looked a right cunt. <laughs> and um, Jordan said, they just lost 4 0. And Jordan says, well, he wouldn't have looked out of place then, would he? I can't remember him playing for Palace. Ruddock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was towards the end of his career. Yeah, I can't remember him playing for him, to be honest. But um, You've got a bit of the old razor going on there. <laughs> do you think I probably about When he's something to do with, um, was it Will Meller reading Vindaloo for the recent Euros? I'm sure Ruddock was something to do with that. You, now, did you watch it? This is the first episode recorded after the, the Euros. Yeah. Did, you, uh, did you enjoy? Yes, yeah, good tournament. Because you're tournament. not super like England, not, are you? I'm not super international football, to mm. be honest. I'm mm. very much club before country. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There were a couple of things that didn't sit right with me, really. I didn't like... Well, I didn't like the format of these third place sides going through. That just made some that hasn't happened before, has it? I no. was taken unawares that that was yeah, going to happen. Yeah, it made some of the games a bit because uh, there was an extra round, weren't there? Basically, yeah, because yeah, of that, they, yeah. They, they threw an extra round. It all about the uh, all about the legal tender, no doubt. Oh god, um, yeah, that's like so. I didn't like the formatting that it was played in all the different countries. Hated I thought, that. Yeah, Hated it. Lacked a bit of identity. Yes, it felt like yes, a bunch yes, of qualifiers. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it did. And uh, England Scotland game, perfect example. The five subs took the attrition element out of it. Mm. It's like once you get to 70 minutes, it's like if one side's going hell for leather and high press and putting their foot into everything and chasing every every shadow, yeah. chasing lost causes, normally they can do that for 65, 70 minutes uh-huh. and then other elements kick in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically what happened in a lot of games is you saw these sides just make wholesale changes at that point. Basically so. like off your team. Yeah. Off they pop and yeah. bring the fresh dudes on. Yeah. yeah, don't like these five subs. Um, 
I, I understand why they did it in the first place when they came back from yeah stuff. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you would have had your big teams like United going, "Yeah, we want five subs. We want five oh, subs in Yeah. <laughs> you just wheel on everybody. Yeah. Not not these teams with uh, like three youth teamers on the bench. No, no, no. And a quick word as well on football at the moment: Harry Kane, hundred and sixty million. Mm. Honestly, it's, I, don't uh, I don't know. If I was talking to my boy, the Randolph. Oh, any club you've got to take that, haven't you? Do you I think money? for any player, it's not worth it. You've got to take 160 million. Oh god, yeah, yeah, definitely. But for the owners of where he's going, it's if they win the European Cup, that's mm. their end game, isn't it? Well, enough football discussion, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the football <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Personal football podcast. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you yourself. How have you been doing? You're right. It's been a while since you've been on. The last episode I think we did was was it the Killers one or was it? Yes, it was. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. We did yes. a yeah, uh, we did we a double header, didn't we? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, been a little while. Yeah, um, good, not bad. Yeah. yeah, I had a couple of people. Um, I think Neil, who does a lot of the podcasts with Mr. Neil Strong, he was in full agreement with you over the Killers. Oh, good man. Yeah, shout uh, out to Neil. Yeah, uh, I think more people are actually in your court on that one. Oh, it's good. Yeah, Stu- no. Stewie D, he was with me. He said he couldn't believe that you didn't like Glamorous in the Rock and Roll. Oh. <laughs> no scathing feedback? No, 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 oh, no. Really? But I had a message coming from somebody, uh, and it was like just a general feedback. Yeah, good show, like, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think they must have been listening to a bit of Absolute Night, Absolute Radio this week, because I heard a, a like, kind of a variation on this question. Yeah. Oh, man, I'll find your name. If I can find it now while we're, we're doing this, then I will say. It says, what band that everybody likes do you, like, hate? You can't get on with at all. Oh. You Well, you just don't see it. That's that, that that's quite a long list. Uh, for me, it's yeah. straight away Queen and Maiden. Like, loads yeah, of people I'll, love Queen yeah. and Maiden. I'm not as low but on... I get it. Yeah, I'm not as low on Queen as you, mm. but... Uh, Maiden, I don't get. Yeah, I'll mm. give you that. If I ever did a podcast, mm. it would be probably a little 20-minute snippet. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd call it, and it's not really someone who's very big over here, but I'd call it, what's the deal with Hall and Oates? <laughs> yeah. I just don't understand the single... The first thing about Hall and Oates, what they're supposed to be, who they're supposed to appeal to, it's just so... Oh. But they're mesmerising by the same token. I was... Oh. <laughs> Something. Hall and Oates is what's the big the big big song? Oh, they've is. got it. Man Eater. Man Eater. That's it. Yeah. Come. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Don't understand. That's a bit of a tune, actually. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't get it at all. Something came up on um, on YouTube uh-huh. um, just as an autoplay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how the algorithms pulled this through, but it was Daryl Hall in his house with some session musicians. Yeah. Um, and CeeLo Green, and they were doing "I Can't Go for That." Which is no, a, 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 uh, no that, I can do. Yeah. yeah, and you've got these session music, musicians massively getting into it, like they're playing on songs in the key of life, and they know it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like this is like some insipid, you know, eighties yuppie <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> you've got Daryl looking. His I looks, don't know what they look like. His looks changed since the day. Yeah, since back in the day, and. He's a lot less smooth and a bit more Joe Cocker. Okay. And it was mesmer. It was like a train wreck in it. It was absolutely horrible. <laughs> but you just couldn't look away. It was like, I tell you, it was mesmerising. So okay. I'd love to Hall and Oates. Yeah. I'd, I, yeah. I'd love to get to the bottom of what Hall and Oates are about because I just don't understand the first single solitary thing about them. 
No. Anything more contemporary? More contemporary. Mm. On the spot now. Yeah, I know. You, you mm. saying about that, about making a podcast, uh, there definitely is a podcast out there, and it's by, I think it's called Your Favourite Band Sucks. I haven't. Um, I listened to the Pearl Jam episode. To, I haven't listened mm-hmm. yeah. to it ever, so I don't know a lot about it, but that's, um, I suppose, literally, you could just go through everything and do that. And um, conversely, they also said, a, a band or an artist that you like, that, that you secretly like, where everybody else hates. Okay. Like a, a guilty pleasure kind of right. thing. I'm not going to go for hate <clears throat> because I think everybody writes them off mm. as a two-hit wonder. Mm-hmm. And I think those two hits screwed their career. I really do. Okay. Um, in terms of kind of popularity and what they can do. But yeah. Electric Six of Danger High Voltage and Gay Bar fame. Yes. They are the shithill that I will die on. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, I think you picked them as, a, as an ending song. I did, on I did. the first time. They've got something like 13, 14 studio albums, and what they do... Have they really got that many? Yeah, I go and see them every year. They, no, come, they like, come around to Birmingham like every Gloria year. Gloria Estefan level. Oh, fun. But they've got no quality control at all. Yeah. They basically tour incessantly, uh-huh. record an album, release it in October, back on tour, so nothing's on the cutting room floor. Okay. And I think those two early hits got them a bit dismissed. That was right at the start of them. Yeah, yeah. that was that yeah. was their first album. Well, they recorded that album and then three of the six then went because mm-hmm. they were like kind of a, a jobbing band around Chicago beforehand. Okay. And once they became a full-time on-the-road band, they realised they just couldn't coexist, the six yeah, of them. Yeah, so yeah, it's I like a completely, happens, yeah, yeah. completely different lineup now. But Is yeah, that they've, they were called Electric Six? Because it's a six-piece. Yes. I, was, I yeah. wasn't even aware yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah they are a six-piece. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's the reason. <laughs> yeah, They go through quite a few lineup changes because you get guys who can't hack their touring schedule. Okay, yeah. yeah. And I've had a drink with Dick a couple of times, um, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, and he's a, he's a nice guy. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. When he does a, uh, when he does a solo tour, because he's got a few solo albums, um, yeah. he plays a wine bar in Schiffnell every time he comes over. Oh, yeah. Um, Which one? Yeah. It's called uh, Oddfellows. Oddfellows. And it's like, it's probably about twice the size of the room we're in now. Yeah. But he's just got a mic and uh, an amp on the floor, like he'd be, he'd buy, be by the door. Yeah, now, yeah. And like, We'll be sitting here by the bar and he'll be playing. Oh, no right. Yeah. That's an interesting kind of yeah. setup, isn't it? Yeah. Lovely guy. But, um, yeah, if they hadn't have had that initial sort of quick success with a couple, yeah. well, with one novelty song, well, really. definitely the one-two yeah. punch of... Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't have been dismissed so readily, I think, by the indie crowd. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have kind of needed to adopt this model, and maybe if they would have now, if they left stuff on the cutting room floor and released an album every three or four years, they'd have now five or six Stonewall banger albums. Okay. See, I wasn't aware that they were still a thing. Yeah. That's what we're saying. I can definitely remember a follow-up album, and then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll have to knock your playlist together. Oh, yeah. The only thing I can think of, not so much now, but I used to be a big Kid Rock fan. <laughs> you did, you yeah, did. Definitely, the, the, that was like um, late 90s, early 2000s era. I tell you, well, there's probably a, a, a lot of uh, lot of skeletons in our in our respective closets around that era. I know new metal's a uh, kind of recurring reference here. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll kind of talk about that time period as, <laughs> as a comparative piece to sort of the, the, the feels and, yes, and yes, the memories yes, yes, yes. That, that, that this album brings out because, yeah, the, there's a few parallels there that we can draw on. Okay, so if 
Anybody who's seen the title of this episode, because we haven't said it yet, we're looking at Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream. Uh, this was the second Smashing Pumpkins album, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first one was Gish. Yes. Obviously. Your thoughts on Gish before we... Gish is decent. Head it's on it's this. nowhere near as fully formed as this album. No, it's not, is it? No. Does it, it starts off with a bit of a bang. I thought the, the first two or three tracks are like all right. Yeah, it, it peters out. And yeah, it does. There's a song on there called, um, is it called Suffer? Yes. Suffer. And I was suffering listening to that. Mm. I, I definitely have heard the album years and years and years ago. But in the past couple of weeks, I re-listened to it yeah. for the first time in probably a decade, yeah. the whole album. Yeah. Um, and, oh, man. Yeah. Rhinoceros is a tune. Rhinoceros is all right, yeah. I, I, I seem to remember when it was going through, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. It's a bit of a slow to get going, but, yeah, yeah you know, it, it, it's, a decent, it's a decent debut album. You can definitely see where they're coming from, but there's a lot of, um, I don't know, you know, like British guitar. Yeah, kind of in them, them like some of the stuff on the Shine albums, like um, you know, like uh, maybe some of the stuff uh, John Squire would play okay. when he went off on one kind of stuff. Yeah, guitar in. There seemed to be a little bit of that in there, which Gish was what ninety-one or was it ninety? Yeah, I think it was ninety-one. I think it coincided roughly with Nevermind and Ten. Yeah, uh, yeah. See, that's the thing in my head because obviously being there at the time kind of just after Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all that kind of stuff. Smashing Pumpkins were very quickly following that to yeah. me, even though it was two years, really. Yeah. But I, I probably, even though Nirvana, uh, sorry, Nevermind was out, it was probably 92 really before it like hit over here kind of thing. Yeah. I'm you know thinking, what I mean? Big, big. Yeah, I think Smashing Pumpkins were one of the uh, one of the horses that the British music press jumped upon on that American mm. alternative wave, weren't they? Well, I think there's there's a lot of references that they were dubbed by music critics the next Nirvana yeah. kind of thing. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, my... <laughs> I don't know how to answer that right now without getting into it, but yeah. Yeah, we're kind of talking, um, if you're thinking along the same lines as I am, the opening one, two tracks kind of, um, mm. well, well, we'll get into it, but I think the opening track kind of makes reference to it. And then I think the second track, I might be reading too much into it, but I think it's really uh, cleverly placed in that uh, in that regard. Okay, so it was released in the 31st of July, 1993. Over here it charted. Sorry, that's when it charted over here. Um, it got to number four on the UK charts. Really? Yeah, which oh, I was right. very surprised about. Yeah. Um, very surprised. Uh, it's six times gone six times platinum in the USA. Uh, sorry, four times platinum in the USA. And it sold six million albums worldwide. So this would probably be their second most successful album or, yeah, would you say that? Yeah, uh, I think this and Melancholy would follow it, would uh, be battling out for. Oh, I think this is head and shoulders above Melancholy. I slept on this album um, because, again, mm. the British music press mm-hmm. kind of jumped on them a little bit. And um, but as we've talked about in previous episodes, we were kind of teens and income was limited, and there were one. That's a big thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Pumpkins were one band that I never really took the dive on mm-hmm. until Melancholy. Yeah. And I think it was um, Bullet with Butterfly Wings mm. um, was, was the track that 
I must have seen it on MTV2 probably. Yes. And uh, and jumped on the back of that. And probably I even bought the single before investing in the okay. album. Because again, du- double album, bit of an extra outlay. You know, It, it wasn't cheap been. in these days, folks. It must have been. It was definitely more expensive. Yeah, it would yeah. have been about 17, 18 quid. Back in the days when that was 17, 18 quid. <laughs> well, I've never, I've never bought a Smashing Pumpkins album, but I've got this album. I've got it in my possession, yeah. and I'm pretty sure it's Ben Callow's copy from back in the day. Oh, blimey. I think he ended up somewhere with my um, uh, Gomez album. Oh. And I ended up with his Siamese Dream. Yeah, you got the better end of that deal. And I've seen Gomez. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can remember really liking that first album earlier, yeah. and then, I don't know, I can only really remember whipping Piccadilly now. Yeah. I used to sit by Ben's sister in chemistry. Uh, Claire? Yeah. Claire Callow, yeah. Hi, Claire. She used to have a fantastic, massive Sebastian Bach poster in her bedroom. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always a big fan of that. Yeah, one. I bet you would be. <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, you, you're secure with who you are. Yes, I am. I am, definitely. Um, so the Smashing Pumpkins are, especially on this album, Mr. Billy Corgan, your singer, songwriter, well, guitarist, bassist, drummer on this, on this album, I'm guessing. Well... <laughs> Word is, it's basically him and Jimmy Chamberlain, this album, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Butch. With Butch Vig, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, you've got Jimmy Chamberlain, as we said, who, going throughout this album, had a massive drugs problem. Yeah, had his demons. Saying, had his demons. <laughs> they didn't, they moved the recording to somewhere different because they were hoping he wouldn't know any hookups or dealers in that area. Okay. So he wouldn't yeah. be able to get wasted. Yeah. Well, yeah, Billy's <laughs> a... Um... He's notoriously a bit of a control freak, isn't he? Bit of a taskmaster. Yeah, yeah. What's your take on Billy? Because he doesn't seem very popular, and I don't get that. Um, no, Billy doesn't seem very popular. I'd imagine he's a bit hard work, and he's another one probably who probably wouldn't be the most fun to go out for a couple of drinks. Maybe for you and me, he probably would be a bit because he's obviously an, a, an old school wrestling fan. He and is. He would know his yeah. wrestling stuff. Yeah, he, know, he owns the NWA, now, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there'd probably be stuff to talk about there, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the impression, again, I don't really understand the dislike of him and I've yeah. kind of read up on people's opinions. I think opinions. he's a bit of a genius. Yeah, they think he's like kind of highly strong and yeah. like very scathingly critical of things he doesn't like. But I draw a comparison to um, probably the reason I don't get it is uh, my old at university, my old clinical psychology lecturer, he really divided opinion. Okay. And one of the girls said to me one day, "Yeah, you're all right with him, aren't you? you uh-huh. And I said, well, I says, I've only had a couple of conversations with him and been in like a load of lectures. I says, but the impression that I get of him is that... Um, he doesn't like unsubstantiated opinions and he will jump on them right away. Okay. He can't be doing with um, workplace politics at all. And 95% of his humour is based in sarcasm. And I can't dislike <laughs> my own people. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm kind of the same with Billy Corgan, I, I can't think. look in the mirror and dislike the guy looking well, exactly. back at me. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, for, 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 for that reason, I, I think I'm okay with you, Billy, if you're listening. Yeah, I, you know, I, I just think he... Yeah, it's probably a bit intense, shall we say, and stuff. But you can't argue with results, especially especially in this, this time when this, this was released. Yeah, yeah. We'll go through it about him doing the stuff on the on the yeah. album. But uh, but yeah, um, James James Ehar. Yes, yes, and Darcy Retsky. Yep, they were in a relationship at the time. I think. Part of the turmoil split. is that they were kind of going through a split. I may have got my timeline maybe askew there, but mm. um, 
Darcy was definitely like um, a 90s alt babe as well, wasn't she at the time? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like 100%. Yes. Um, I've seen them all recently and, you know, fair play, Darcy. Like back then in 93, 94, 95 kind of thing, she was, uh, you know, up there. On you, what, what was he saying? The, the Mount Babe more of 90s yeah, metal? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she'd quite make the Mount Babe more, but okay. I don't know. <laughs> have a look. Google everybody. Yeah, yeah. Have I'd have look. to think about that. Maybe that's one to, to, to open the second half with. <laughs> Mount Babe more. <laughs> uh, yes, it was. It had that many things. Um, Billy Corgan is the only permanent member of the Smashing Pumpkins to this present day. Yeah, they had a, um, they had a spell, I think, James and Darcy were just completely gone. James mm-hmm. is back now. There's a lot Jimmy was in and out. Yeah. They've got one album. Oh, I'm sure we'll get onto the like the latter day stuff, which mm-hmm. is uh, patchy to say the least. But um, there's one uh, album called Oshana that's there kind is. of their. Um, it's like their Chinese democracy in that it's Billy and some other people oh, under it? the name of the Smashing Pumpkins. I've definitely heard it once. Yeah. To be fair, in that kind of wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Really respectable album. Okay, it is. I kind of kind of liken it to, I don't know. Look, at Bruce Springsteen. Yes. Um, not the biggest Bruce fan. I like some. I like his more uh, acoustic, yeah. low key stuff than his big band Americana yeah. kind of stuff. Although um, some might say that description's missing the point a little bit. But um, what was his? Uh, is it the Rising? His early two thousands album. I think he was in his fourth mm. decade of recording, and really, an artist in their fourth decade of recording has got no business putting out an album that solid. Well, so. you've had plenty of practice. Yeah, yeah. But you know your audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kudos to him, and yeah, I think um, Oceana's slept on, considering it's Billy and some people. Because Great, greater than Chinese Democracy. Is it a better album overall? See, I think Chinese Democracy is okay. Again, if you called that. Axel and the paper cuts. Yeah. They'd be like, the vibes of usual illusion shine through, but he's moved a bit with the times, and uh, fair play to Axel for cracking on and making a decent album. <laughs> Probably less on the cracking on. But... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a Superhands reference in there. <laughs> it, it, that's an album which I looked at doing uh, with somebody, and I was I was putting myself through it, and... and it, there's bits of it which are good, but it's just it's it's way too long. Oh yeah, much like Santanga a couple of episodes ago, <laughs> it's Chinese democracy is way too long and it goes on and yeah, I, there's too many tracks like Oasis Beer now is said. Oh, there's too many tracks. Oh, there's too much going on, too much yeah. noise. But Chinese democracy, there's, there's there's like double than that. There's too many lines of music on it. But it's, uh, uh, it's front load, front end loaded, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely worth a listen. Yeah. Definitely worth a listen if you haven't heard it. But back to this one. Yes, uh, Corgan. What did I say? It was released, yeah, in July of 1993. I was definitely there at the time. I can remember. I think I was first aware of the Smashing Pumpkins from their big hit on MTV Play, which we'll get to on this. Yep. How were you first aware of them? Did you say Bullet with Butterfly Bullet Wings? Bullet with Butterfly really? Wings, yeah. yeah. And then I kind of came to this afterwards, after I'd kind of rinsed Melancholy. Okay. All right. Um, so at that time in the UK, the number one single on the UK charts was a little song by... Is this all the boys? Um, I believe I so. Obviously, um, for the backcountry listeners, tech that. 
younger than me so what were your opinions of tech that well they were in that um, they were um, they were anathema at the time for somebody like 13 14 okay it's yeah like uh, I suppose that now you can kind of appreciate Mr Barlow as a songwriter he's still a cunt though isn't he yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, the the number one album in the UK was um, from this band. Oh, my goodness. Let's revise an earlier question. A popular band that you absolutely hate. (laughs) I was in Kidderminster the other day and and someone had their windows open because it's hot and they were blaring out red, red wine out of their flat. That song is nails down the fucking chalkboard. What, Red Red Wine? It's uh, it's not a good one. Just yeah. like... Um, Do you remember when Paris Hilton released a single and it was basically uh, the, the music of Red Red Wine? Or the was vocal it? melody? I thankfully missed that. <laughs> pro- I've probably zoned out whenever it's been anyway. It's like a natural defence mechanism. But obviously, local band, UB40, aren't they? They're Birmingham based, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and it's... From? Yeah, it's something I don't. Every area's got one. It's like um, the Welsh are disproportionately proud of the stereophonics, aren't they? I yeah. mean, it's like, let's hope one day for their sake they figure out that uh, the Super Furries are Welsh because I think there'll be a groundswell of national pride that will lead to a Rugby World Cup. A lot of people but, um, sleep on the Super Furry animals. And massively. There's a lot of people who are, yeah, well into them. I. I I sort of fall somewhere in between. Some, some I'd look at it. Yeah, good, yeah, good yeah. band. But I mean, if you put that into a local context, this kind of area, obviously, we've done Sabbath, Priest, Zeppelin. Uh, you've got the whole movement of uh, the Wonder Stuff, Ned's Atomic Dustbin. That's literally itself. here. Absolutely, we'll talk, we'll on that, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Diamond Head. Um, lo- loads of artists come from Birmingham, but when you're talking about sort of the local area and the musical heritage, someone always, unironically, or just they don't read the room and they pop up with UB40 and it's like it's like talk I don't know let's go back we opened up with football um, it's like talking about bringing young players through and someone talks about I don't know the Southampton Academy and it's like oh they're brought through Shearer Letizia um, modern context Luke Shaw yeah. um, Wayne Bridge uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, some like Bale yes uh, yeah, 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 and yeah. then Talking about U B forty in a local music context, it's like someone in that Southampton conversation with a straight face bringing up Francis Benali. <laughs> it's like, okay, he had uh, he had a good career, and I think he played most of his games in the top flight. But read the room. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. He, he, you know, he's made made a living, but it might he might have stole it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, U B forty are definitely on my list of. Bands that people love that are just a big no for me. The the number one in the US at the time was. Same. Yeah. 
They're big in the US. Yeah, wasn't this the on the was it the Sliver soundtrack? Wasn't it like Sharon Stone's next film after Basic Instinct or something? Okay. Was actually was this one Sliver? I'm gonna live Google. I'm gonna Google the internet. Sliver. I'm disappointed in our transatlantic cousins for that one. What for that one? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it was off that. Yeah, that's. And I looked at this this album that was number one. It was um, Promises and Liars. Okay. By UB40, where they probably promised to deliver a decent album. And everybody, <laughs> I know a lie about it. Everybody, yeah, rumbled them quickly. <laughs> and this was the only song that I really knew. And you know on Apple Music, they have the little star next yeah. to the ones that have actually had any play. That was the only one. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll leave UB40 well behind in the distance. Let's. Yes, yes, yes. And we'll get into this album, why don't we? thing that is going to turn you off the Smashing Pumpkins, if you're not a fan, is the vocal. Yeah, I've, I can I've, imagine a lot of people are not on Billy Corgan's vocals. I get that. Yeah. I, I, I can I can concede that to anybody who yeah. who it annoys. Um, they could be seen as nasal, whiny, yeah. possibly. I think they fit. Um, oh, on, yeah. some, on some of his latest well some of the pumpkins later stuff like the most recent album mm-hmm. yeah they, they do annoy me around this era yeah it, it's weird because vocalists who you'd kind of put in the same who've got the same kind of not the same style mm-hmm. but you could level the same criticisms at mm. um, for example uh, Geddy Lee Geddy Lee's vocals put me right off rush oh yeah it's like yeah. that disconnects you completely yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just not that. So, it doesn't bother me personally, um, but I wouldn't argue against anyone who said I don't like them for that reason. Yeah, I think this is probably one of the, the, the least ones on the album as well, where it could make the big difference. Um, I, I think Billy wanted this to be the first single. I thought it was the first. No, no, you're uh, right. Yeah. Um, track three was the yeah. first single, wasn't it? I think this was yeah. the follow-up. Yeah, because this is, we talked about them being like the next Nirvana, and, yeah. like, and I think this is kind of a shot at that kind of expectation, isn't it, um, lyrically? It's mm-hmm. like the giving doesn't matter what you believe in, and um, like a bit of a um, a bit of a shot fired to the music industry at the time, like beware all those angels with their wings glued on. 
sort of like them enticing him in, tell me all your secrets, cannot help but believe this. There's a bit of, um, you know, a Have a Cigar by Pink Floyd. Yeah. There's a I, little little bit of that about it. Definitely. I'd got, I'd written down, it's, um, I think I've read, read some uh, perception, Billy's perception of the indie rock community and larger media yeah. and what they wanted from the band. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like stay, stay cool and be somebody's fool this year. A lovely yeah. opening line. Oh, that yeah, is. definitely. Like, that's a lovely opening line. Yeah, definitely. What I love about this album, I mm-hmm. absolutely love, and, um, well, I, I could kind of wax on about this for, mm-hmm. for quite some time, just the general sound and ambience and how well, uh, obviously, Butch Vig, who'd done uh, Nevermind a couple of years previously, mm-hmm. he's on board and you've got that distortion uh, of, of the guitar parts, but juxtaposed with uh, the clean guitar parts as well. And I think that's done really effectively throughout I the album. I love the guitar sound. It's like a, like oh. a, it's like a lo-fi, yeah. distorted, like compressed kind of sound. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And there's yeah. layers and layers of guitar. And if we go back to... One the, of my favourite kind of guitar sounds. Like definitely. Yeah. If we go back to the Killers album that we mm. did previously, what I was thinking kind of after we did that episode was mm. that album's like quite synth heavy and yes. what would have bought it some currency with me if yeah. instead of the synth they had a second guitar player with some more chops yeah. yeah 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 more guitar which is what this album has got it's got those layers and layers of guitar yeah. and that distorted sound that kind of you've mentioned this on a previous episode reminds me of a time and a place Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which definitely. really takes me back to this place, which mm-hmm. was kind of a good time for me musically. And a couple of other tracks um, that you've mm-hmm. played um, in previous episodes that I haven't been on have kind of done, mm. done similar. Yeah. When, um, which episode was it? You um, Was it the top 30 most um, downloaded tracks of the 90s? Oh, yeah, well, that and would, yeah, yeah. Put Gangster's Paradise by okay. Coolio. Yeah. I'll tell you where that took me to right away here, and that was a uh, Himley, The Bonfire. <laughs> because I went there one night, uh, well, one year, and it was when that track was massive, yeah. and they've got all the various stalls and arcades, and literally everywhere you went was playing it. Mm. And for our story from that day. It was massive. It was oh, massive. absolutely was, massive. Yeah. Well, that kind of book ended that day as well, because the group I hung around with in school, it was a Saturday, mm-hmm. and two of them had fallen out, so mm-hmm. everybody kind of gravitated towards the more popular one of the two, as happened at the time. <laughs> well, the other guy... I kind of went round his on the morning. Yeah. Um, he'd, he'd kind of been a bit, he was a bit persona non grata, so I went round his in the morning. He yeah. bought the album and he was playing it. Oh, the the um, Coolio album? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we went up to... Um, Coolio? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we went up to um, Birmingham, but mm-hmm. we went via uh, Wolverhampton because I wanted to get... Do you remember Mike Lloyd's in Queen yeah, yeah, Square, yeah, yeah, the music yeah. shop? I wanted to go up there because uh, you had the T-shirts upstairs, didn't you? The racks and yeah, racks yeah. and racks of, um, of, of the blue great merchandise. You know, a band T-shirt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Now I just so. look for knockoff ones. I was looking for a Motley Crue T-shirt the other day yeah. <laughs> on eBay. I yeah. was just looking for a, a really cool Motley Crue T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, my attic's probably full of stuff from Mike Lloyd's. But we jumped jumped on the train to New Street, and I thought of going around Himley, and I thought of someone else, because we jumped off the train. He wanted to go to Birmingham for some reason. Yeah. Um, I forget why, but we took the corner um, at um, New Street yeah. to kind of go around, and I bumped into, as in literally bumped into someone, and I looked up, and no word of a lie, it was Luther Blissett. Oh, really? Yeah, I literally bumped into <laughs> Luther Blissett that day. For, for anybody who doesn't know, um, former professional footballer at yeah, the time, Luther uh, Blissett. I think I think he was retired at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he would be yeah, then, wouldn't he? Would yeah, Watford, yeah. AC Milan. 
England. Yeah, yeah, I see Milan, yeah. Yeah, I had to spell I see Milan. Um, so Gangster's Paradise reminded me of that. <laughs> the Gangster's Paradise. Short story. Yeah. Whenever I think of Gangster's Paradise, I think of Luther Blisters. <laughs> yeah, I do now. Yeah. Just because that day was bookended by G- yeah. Gangster's Paradise, and in the middle of it, Luther Blissett. Um, <laughs> Luther Blissett sandwich. <laughs> and uh, the other one, when you did um, Hybrid Theory with Neil, yes. as soon as that opening track kicked in, I was in, it, it was just... It, if anything sounds like 2001, it really the year does, 2001, doesn't it? Well, it just transported me right I always, there. I always thought it was a little bit after in my head because yeah. 2001 is like the peak of new metal, mm. really, isn't it? Well, see, so, for me, that it, album is kind of where <clears throat> that kind of period, then Papa Roach, is where I kind of fell off the train. Okay. Now, I'm going to give a shout out to, um, I think, a new listener, a new work colleague of mine, Jimmo yeah. Perkins. Because um, <laughs> we. Shout out to uh, to young James. We were having, uh, I was testing a theory out on him with uh-huh. regards to new metal. And here's a band that have, haven't had a lot of love yeah. on, this, on this podcast. So um, ho- hopefully can change that. But, um, and, and, and here's a theory. I'm going to tie this in with Slayer. So a okay. bit, bit of a nod to Gaz as yeah. well here. Just a theory of mine with regards to where new metal started to, um, started to tail off. With Thrash, common opinion is... Reign of Blood is where Thrash uh, apexed, and okay. then it was either a plateau or downward. So then, mm-hmm. then you had um, bands trying to do different things uh, with the genre, like Meshuggah took all sense of melody out of it and just mm-hmm. went pure, um, Not pure more rhythm. At all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I'm going to crack my jaw into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the pit to the sugar. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. That was when uh, that was when the jaw came apart, quite literally. Um, well, with regards to raining blood, mm-hmm. um, to draw a comparison, White Pony by Deftones was okay. um, new metal's raining blood. It was yeah. like, okay, this is the end game, lads. You're going nowhere else with this concept. So uh-huh. get on and do something new. So I was trying this out on uh, on Mr. Firkins and yes. uh, just judging his opinion. And he actually started to unbutton his shirt. I thought, what's going down? What's going on here? And he pulls his shirt down. White pony tattoo on his chest. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, we're among friends. You know, Deftones are a band that I haven't really... Um... Investigated. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of a handful of songs of those. Yeah. I, I think they would probably be possibly one of own, the only new metal bands still around who would still be, could still have the legitimate finger pointed at them. Yeah. You know, there was yeah. Ohms, the last album. Was, yeah, it was a good album. Yeah, I haven't good heard album. it, but I, I've, I've heard critical response to it and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, Deftones sort of passed me by. I think they were a lot bigger over there, a lot bigger in the US than maybe they were here. Probably, yeah. Limp would look very the tabloid. Oh, they of, they uh, crossed over massively, uh, didn't they? Me and Neil Strong, two or three weeks ago, got two tickets to Limp Bizkit in Manchester a year ago tomorrow. Okay. So it's 2022. Oh, July, July the 22nd, 2022. Still happening. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, they were the tabloid. And I think, like, say, Corn were probably the, the originators, obviously, of the of the scene, yeah? A- absolutely. I mean, yeah. you've talked a bit about Mount Rushmore. Yeah. obviously Corn have oh, got yeah, a bit yeah, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And I think yeah. they get a bit of bad... I think I did mention Deftones then, when whoever I was talking to... I you said, might have done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might, you might have yeah. slipped them in. Corn, um, I mean, they get a bit... Um, I think you forget how fresh and how unique they were when they first 
Yeah. I never liked yeah. corn. I just never did. When they first came around, it was it was kind of like nothing that we'd heard with the down oh, tuning and yeah. the growing man crying into a microphone. I think there's a bit of revisionist history with them for two things. One was how quickly I think they descended into self-parody. Mm-hmm. And the other one being the uh, the succession of shit that they inspired, the likes of uh, <laughs> Edema and Taproot and Coal Chamber. And there was a lot of dross followed that initial. I had a Coal Chamber song the other day and I actually liked it. I, I'd never really listened to a lot of Cold okay. Chamber. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, it didn't inspire me to check out an album or anything, yeah. but I was like, oh, that's actually all right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Smashing Pumpkins. Well, yeah. <laughs> p- part of the reason I'm a fan, really, uh, as well, is because they're kind of at the centre of that like, multiple Venn diagram of so many things that, that, that kind of sit in okay, my So they come in on like your second layer of... Yeah. Would, are Smashing Pumpkins grunge? Would Smashing Pumpkins be have considered... To be grunge at this time. If we're defining yes. grunge as a musical you know, genre, you know, which we've established previously that yeah. it's not, and uh, and I sit with Gaz as well. In, in fact, I've, I've got any great use for genres in yeah. general. Um, like a scene. They were definitely part of that scene. They kind of were. Even though they were yeah. from Chicago and like, that was deep-rooted yeah. in Seattle. Yeah, you could either... How I... What grunge means to me is either the uh, physical fashion... Um, of the time or a catch-all term to describe bands that came out of Seattle so mm-hmm. on yeah. that regard they wouldn't be but in terms of the sound well we, we kind of touched upon it at the start um, and with regards to the lyrical content of this track they're like this is around my interpretation is this is around them being kind of the new Nirvana um, I think they've Corgan, got Butch Vig on board Corgan definitely wanted it more though than any of those bands or at least Openly or outwardly, would agree to be. I think after acceptance. Do you yes, think? yes, yes. That's what I mean. Yeah. Whereas you know, you know, Eddie kicked Big Dave out of the band because he wanted to be the rock star. Yeah, yeah you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And Kurt did whatever he did because he didn't want to be a rock star. Yeah. Whereas I think Billy, as you say, craved. I think Billy wants to be acknowledged as. Yeah, I'm a really good songwriter, mm. and I can write. Good songs in the same thing. But He's you know that mercurial I mean. midfielder who needs the arm round a shoulder from the manager, isn't it, to say you're loved, you're my guy. Yeah, he needs the uh, yeah yeah the pump up, not the put yeah not yeah. the put there. Mm-mm. Just before we head off this song, I really do love the solo when the solo kicks in. If we can get a bit of this, it's like one thing that Billy doesn't get enough credit for. I don't think is. His guitar skill. This album's got some solos on it. Man, and I love the blistering guitar solos on him. And uh, is is like one of the first ones. What well, the first one? He, much like we said about Noel Gallagher for Oasis albums or other people, went back in and recorded track after track after track, and that solo oh. is an amalgamation of three different guitar tracks bumped together. Yeah, given I've, the, I've the fuzzy stuff like that. Yeah. Now, I was going to ask, um, does the penchant for solos? by definition, disqualify it from being grunge? But then we've talked before about grunge not really fitting or really. Tying two of the bands together that 
profess yeah. or are a core grudge. So Pearl Jam had solos, Alice, Alice had solos. Yeah. So Soundgarden had solos, didn't Soundgarden they? Soundgarden had solos, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially like earlier on stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Christ, Cobain probably thought a, a G to an A was a solo. <laughs> <laughs> he probably thought the intro to About a Girl was a solo. Keep it simple, Kurt. <laughs> um, yeah, another thing, Billy apparently, um, a lot of the songs on this album are written about his breakup from, Christ, I've forgotten to write a name, um, somebody. They're all about uh, a former love or a recently ended relationship of Billy's, uh, which led to him. Plotting his own death, he was. He would say in later interviews for up to two months before suicide's a recurring yeah, theme on he this was album. Giving isn't away it? all of his shit, yeah, giving away all of his stuff, and we'll get to it with track three. Definitely, obviously major. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep that for them. We'll keep that for them. You ain't got, you got nothing else from Cherub Brock, no? Let's crack on. Okay, <laughs> over forty-five minutes in, one track down. Uh, the second track is this was a mixtape fave of mine back in the day. If I was throwing on uh, a pumpkin song or something from around this kind of time, this would be one. Love the opening riff. Guitar fuzz there again. I've put the same. I've got the same idea of the riff, low key but incessant. Yeah, yeah. Very Alice in Chains, though. Yeah. Like very them bones well, kind of. Yeah. Kind of my observation on it was um, you've got the lyrical content of Cherub Rock mm-hmm. that's kind of because um, they'd moved from their original label to Virgin. This was their first release on Virgin, yes. so I think they'd been Perfect. signed off the back of. Uh, kind of the um, Nirvana Pearl Jam explosion. Oh, and they were being lent on to produce definitely, an album. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And I think there's a little bit of nudge, nudge, wink, wink here with the first track being about the music industry and that expectation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the second track is the track on the album that sounds most like Nirvana. Um, yeah, yeah, more, more, yeah. most like that kind of music. You could imagine them doing this. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's got to be the shortest track on the album. Um, the yeah. second shortest, I think, that the penultimate tracks. That's more just of an interlude, isn't minutes. it? Yeah. yeah. Just over three and a half. I want to get this solo because the solo on this. Yeah. And a, the drum build into it is oh, slick as the well. The drumming on this album is fantastic. Oh, phenomenal. You can see why they wanted to keep Jimmy off the gear. Absolutely. Keep him uh, focused. Here we go. Man, and then it heads back into that rift to see you out. It's a stormer, this is. It is. Uh, you used a good uh, term on the last uh, the last one we did when we did the killers. Of uh, you called a couple of tracks the sinews, and I think this track yeah. and another are really the sinews that bind this album together. It's immaculately paced. 
and the track listing is just it's massive yeah yeah i you know there's a couple of tracks later on which i used to sleep on yeah and one i can't believe i did then we'll when okay. we get to it yeah interesting um, to know what that is but yeah it's i've got really a feeling good. it may be my favorite track on this album <laughs> there's a there's a three track sequence on this album which is the best three track sequence of any album i've done so far on this podcast to me Okay, so yeah, we're off to a good start with this album. Definitely. Yeah, loving Definitely. it. Brilliant one too. Loving it, loving it, loving it. Uh, the next track would probably, this is where I came into the Smashing Pumpkins, hearing this on MTV, probably not the radio, I'm guessing at that time. Would this be the most well-known Smashing Pumpkins song? The song in question is obviously today. It's between this and maybe Bullet. 1979. Oh yeah, I always forget about 1979. What's the other one off there? Uh, tonight, tonight. I don't yeah. like tonight, tonight. Really. Zero. Z- See, I always in my head, I always thought Zero was on Gish until. Well, I know you know what it's I mean. Gish esque, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, get that. yeah. In my head, because I've never owned um, Melancholy. Yeah. I always presumed that it was on. Uh, it was on the first album, but no. Um, we'll get into this today, anyway. Man. Anybody who's seen Trigger Happy TV <laughs> was used in that, weren't it? I believe. Dumb Jolly. Yeah, yeah. This is Smashing Pumpkins in a nutshell, a little bit now. Okay, we can talk a little bit. Um, and he ever reached, reached sorry, number five, I haven't even started drinking properly yet. <laughs> number 44 on the UK chart. It was only ever on the chart for two weeks. It was released in September 1993. Um, yeah, you know, that makes sense that Cherub Rock was the first single in the UK. It was. Yeah. It weren't in America, though. That's where Definitely. the confusion yeah, arose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, today is the greatest day I've ever known. This would obviously be, as we said, in a handful of the most well-known Smashing Pumpkins songs. People are on board. But realistically, this song is hiding a dark underbelly. Oh, massively. What I take from that, um, the today is the greatest day I've ever known. They say about people who've made plans to end their own life. Yeah. This is something that I've heard and read as, uh, as, as anecdotes and kind of when I've done training on mental health and health issues. Can't speak for my own or anyone else's experience. But um, that when someone has made concrete plans, that they have clarity of vision, that they become clear, that they okay, get yeah. their house in order, that they make the preparations, they they're, uh, get their ducks in a row, for want of a better phrase, because they see the way out. Okay. They see the Today is the, the greatest day. To end. Everything, the, the darkness has lifted. Yeah. Well, in, yeah. in one way. Yeah, there's yeah. a way out. That's what I take from that. I can see the way out. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's that calm. It's 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 the greatest day. With regards to that intro, I mean the um, the first like thirty seconds. It's iconic. And it just is. for the album as a whole, is there an album with a better intro to kick in transition portfolio than this album? Oh. I'll wait. There's, yeah, I can't it's, think straight off the top of my head. I think he, yeah, he, he, he's 
Billy's the master at intros and, uh, this and is, transitioning. This is why that him and, and Butch Vig was obviously pulling out his hair or whatever, because this went way over time, way over budget. Billy, this, the stories are that Billy had like have them there for a 13-hour day to record a 25-second piece for okay. one song and then throw it out the next week. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and not for me, the time played off, because I think this is a really cracking album. Oh, massively, massively. This song is, for me, the, the Don't Look Back in Anger, the one that I don't ever need to hear again. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. does fall into that for me. This one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it quite. I'll on, always on skip that. this when I'm listening to the album. I don't, but if if there's one that's been sort of played, I'm loath to use the word excessively, but it's been played a lot. It's the go-to, isn't it, for your uh, for your Karag radio and for your MTV2 back in the day. Oh, and... Back in the day, yeah, yeah. Now, I, man, you, I don't think you you even the only thing you'd probably ever hear on an absolute nineties would maybe be Disarm off this album. Mm. You might hear today, I suppose. I don't know. You seen the video as well? Intentionally stylistic, low quality um, ice cream van in the. Desert. I was just about of. to ask if it was a woman with the ice cream. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Not massive memories of it. No. I don't associate a video with it the way you can with yeah. some tracks. It, it definitely had that kind of stylistic, um, you know, like the, the album cover itself. Yeah. He's. I mean, it's it's nothing, is it? It was it, it wasn't even Siamese twins, was it? It was found out. No, to be no, it's just two on. girls. Now we go back to uh, Oceana. I forget what her name was. Um, the bass player on that album. Um, they had another female bass player. Yeah. How did they? Yeah, I want to say. Well, what's with female bass players in the nineties? Um, what's the name out of White Zombie? Um, yeah, Sean Yusult. Yusult. Yeah. Um, someone, uh, Kim Deal. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose eighties uh, really with Kim well, Deal as well. Well, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we've touched on Cole Chamber. They had successive female bass. They had yeah. Raina Rose. They had a female um, bass, didn't they? Yeah, and then Nadia followed. Uh, Nadia, followed not the one on uh, Big Brother, the yeah. Portuguese it's, one. Yeah. In fact. Darcy's successor in the Smashing Pumpkins was uh, Melissa Ralph Demar from Hole. Oh well, yeah, coming from yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, uh, the the bass player, I forget her name. I want to s- something Fiorentino. I want to say Linda Fiorentino, but she was um, she was the actress in. Um, she's been in a few films. Mm, I don't um, know. When she joined for the Oceana period, they kind of made out. For a while, that she was one of the two girls on the covers of Siamese uh, yeah, Dream. I came across this when doing research for this. Yeah. That there was an interview with Billy where he was like, "Oh yeah, we've been looking for this," and then it turns out that the new bassist in our band is actually one of those girls. Yeah. And where the hell did he say that? Or was he just? Do you think he was just having the lols at Pro- the interviewer's yeah. expense? Yeah, probably. Got to have been hadn't yeah. he really? Yeah, because it wasn't true. They later admitted. <laughs> I saw a photo shoot with them. Now the two sisters. Yeah, they've done They're it sisters, again, haven't they? they? Are they sisters? Oh, they got involved in promoting the reunion tour, didn't they? Because I think there was a video shot of them coming on stage together. Mm. Uh, I think there was a projection of those two walking out and doing something before the band came out. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was some something definitely. They definitely got them. Um, I don't. Did you? Did they release the deluxe edition for some kind of anniversary or not? There is a deluxe edition. Yeah, 30, um, 31 tracks that's got on it. Oh, that's that's nothing for Pumpkins compilations. No, They've got one called... It's all demos and acoustics, really, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no... 
everything apart from the album is either demos or acoustic yeah. covers. There's yeah. nothing. There's yeah, no one, other... of, one of the kind of lazy ones. No, way. but mind you, with outtakes and the like, there's Pisces Iscariot, there's Aeroplane mm-hmm. Flies High, which is about eighty tracks. So mm-hmm. surely the wells run dry with yeah, regards to material around that period I'd that they Billy's, can release. Billy's concentrating on his YouTube wrestling fed at the moment, isn't it? Well, that's, that's where they've been played, isn't it? Is it? It's, I believe it's on YouTube and on okay. through what's the what's the thing the subscription thing? Flight is it Flight? But there's the Flight Network in Canada. Yeah, maybe that's where I'm seeing bloody Mr. Keith watch it on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was talk of them doing a uh, a follow up to uh, Melon. Was it? Yeah, they're going to re-release Machina, the two volumes of that, yeah. as some kind of deluxe package, and follow that up with. The follow-up to Melancholy. Okay. What, as another double? Presumably. Um. Watch this space. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll move on to another one. Only, yeah, before that, as we were saying, um, suicidal thoughts and everything for today. It's an unintentionally not happy song. But there's been a couple of Smashing Pumpkins tribute albums released. Yeah. One of them was called, uh, I think this was called Midnight in the Patch. And it's a cover of this, like, um, what's the what's the word? Um, just the music, no, no vocals. Instrumental, instrumental yeah. versions. But there's also like some real covers on there. And Solomon Burke Jr. does a cover of "Today," and it does give it that happy-go-lucky version. Maybe a bit curie. Mighty Mighty Boston. <laughs> Massively feeling that. <laughs> I think another thing about today, and I've mentioned kind of the juxtaposition with the um, the distortion and the clean guitar parts, which I think is masterful throughout this album. Yes. But juxtaposition's a big thing on this album, so um, with this track, you've kind of got the, um, the lyrical theme, but it's juxtaposed with the, uh, the composition, because this is anthemic. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 100%. Looking at a lot of the tracks, there's just three tribute, mainstream tribute albums, one called The Killer in You, uh, another one there was a gothic industrial tribute to the Smashing Pumpkins, Okay, yeah. and it's worth a listen, but... <laughs> yeah, well what I was saying about, uh, to pull Deftones back in, and then grunge, and mm-hmm. then shoegaze, and the aesthetic of goth. That's a, think, that's a thing for pumpkins. They are very shoegaze. Massively. And I think that's a very UK-centric kind of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Sorry, cut you off on your point there. No, I just think it sits in the... In, in sort of like the centre of... Um, sort of a massive Venn diagram, and there's, there's an overlap from all these things that I'm kind of invested in, so... They're almost a central hub to all the things that make me tick. Everything passes through. Yep, absolutely. We'll go for the next track. We'll have one more and then we'll take a break. Uh, Track four is Hummer. Now, this is one. I always used to sleep on this one. 
Because I think when you're listening through, it's probably a bit of a... I don't know. It's not the most up there intro, is it? The, the, well, I've got here, the opening's quite laboured. Yeah. It matches the weary lyric to come in. It's seven minutes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a long song, this is. But I think when that riff comes in, we'll get a bit of it now. It has got a proper groove to it. You are. As it kicks in, I love the interplay between the uh, the lead and the drum. Because we've, we've talked about Jimmy already. He's got yeah. some swagger, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. He's a jazz drummer. Oh, is he? From this, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> Here we go. Let's have a bit of this. Is that like those those riff that guitar there? Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a recurring theme. Yeah, it? it's lovely, yeah. love it. Yeah, really. Love and it. like I say, the interplay between the drum and the lead is is what really when this album because this album ebbs and flows, it comes and goes, it peaks <clears> and valleys, and when it's at its peak, that's really its calling card. That, mm. that interplay between uh, between uh, Billy and Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely. made it without everybody else, but. Oh yeah, because like I said before, he, the band were recording all the bits, and then they'd be like, "Oh yeah, Billy would be going back and doing their parts, basically." Yeah. yeah. In in some respects, you can class it as basically a Corgan solo record, isn't More it? More or less. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with Chamberlain guesting. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah. Um, it came out to widespread good reviews though. Oh yeah. On release, this was appreciated across the board. From the US to UK critics all lauded it at the time as being man, this is high up there, this is this is delivering the goods. Uh, and I can't disagree with that one little bit. I said before we came on air, didn't I? Because um, we we've had a bit of uh, not not disharmony, but we've been coming from different places on a few things and I said mm-hmm. of everything we've done, I think this is where we're gonna this is the one we're gonna be closest together on. Uh, yeah, most probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll write this definitely, definitely. I tell you what, we'll have one more before the break. If you've got no, if you've got nothing more for else for Hummer, just something to rave about, really. And there's a nice instrumental bridge about just after three minutes. I love the transition uh, to the sort of part, just 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 before the closing stretch, um, really. And yeah, just um, so, some of the lyrics a bit clunky. If I wanted to give uh, give a critique, it's massively existential. It's called Hummer. The uh, the life's a bummer when you're a Hummer. It's a bit like, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, yeah. It's pretty in between us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, maybe nitpicking a bit, but yeah, maybe. I just thought I had to say something, yeah, negative somewhere. Oh, uh, yeah. Hang on. So yeah, it's a good song anyway. I like it. Uh, yeah, we'll have one more, 
and that is a lot of people's favourite song off the album. Uh, it was released as a single in the UK. It only ever got to number 89 on the UK charts for one week. It was released, actually, listen to this, it wasn't released until January 1995 in the UK charts. Okay. One, sure. la- one last little squeeze out the album, maybe. Surely um, that's got to be close to the release of... Um, Melancholy was... Not, was Oh, I don't know when that was. Was that 96? 95. No, probably halfway through 95, because I'm pretty sure Stu had it at Christmas 96. Okay. Yeah. But um, once again, this has got the, the the standard guitar the guitar sound that we've said about this album so far. And the riffs are brainworm in this one. A what? The riffs of brainworm. Yeah, as I said, an earworm. An earworm. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a lot of people really raving about this one, and I don't know. For me, I'd put this in my lower half of. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Songs agree on the album. That. I don't think it's a bad yeah. song. No, definitely not. I, I think uh, another thing we've, I've talked a little bit about the um, the structure of the album in terms of pacing and track listing. I don't like the transition from the end of Hummer into the opening riff here. here. I think the album really works as a complete whole. So I think that elevates this song as yeah. opposed to if you're listening to it in isolation, the way mm-hmm. it's, the way Hummer kind of flows into it. And, and again, I like the. Um, I like the chord progression transition um, at about a minute where where this where Rocket really kicks. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. That doo 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 that yeah. kind of riff. Yeah, yeah, really smooth. And uh, yeah, it's got elements that that I really really like. Um, the refrain at the end, the "I shall be free," it's like really cathartic. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I like how it strips it back down to the riff, um, slows it down into a tidy andro, and then it. Uh, grandstands again so it's they're kind of we, we talked about it again on the um on the killers episode about uh and the Eurostar, how it didn't go anywhere it just yeah. kind of bumped up a little bit then went back down to that riff it's had this, another step it could have yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yeah this track and other tracks on this album take that extra step and then find their way back down to that stripped back part yes yes, yes and that's yes. what i think a few tracks on this album do really masterfully mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, it's a good. It's a, it's a good I, I haven't really got a lot more to say about it. Good track. I love the the sound again. I think the riffs are all good. I think Corgan. One thing that you said about not fitting into the whole grunge scene and stuff. I think you know his, his guitarmanship is is very good. Un- unquestionably, like, like on the basis of this album, man. You put him against. I don't know. You know other people in in the equivalent position in other bands, and I think he's like you know a, a lot better. Yeah, kind yeah. Of, I suppose at the time you're looking at like Kim Thoyle, Eddie Can- uh, Jerry Cantrell. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've got, I got it mixed up with Eddie Van Halen there. There's, <laughs> there, there's a sentence that's never been said. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a good one. We'll 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 head to the break on it and that one. Yeah. Uh, hopefully everyone's enjoying this so far. I know I am because this is one of my faves. David Bowie, The Beatles, Lil Wayne, Lil Peep, Tupac, B.I.G., Oasis, The Ramones, Graham Parsons, and The New York Dolls made some of the most consequential music of all time. 
and get caught up in some of the music industry's biggest scandals and true crimes. These artists and more are all coming your way in Season 7 of Disgraceland. Disgraceland is hosted by me, Jake Brennan, and is the world's first and only music and true crime podcast and is available only on Amazon Music. Search Disgraceland Podcast in your Amazon Music app. Give us a follow and buckle up for a wild ride. Some of my best thoughts come from the shower. And they are weird AF. They should make edible soap that you can eat in the shower in case you get hungry. Hey, do us a favor. If you're a fan of the show and you're enjoying listening to it, leave us a review, get in touch, let us know that you like it. Let's get back to it. So I ball so hard, motherfuckers wanna find me. But first niggas gotta find me. What's for the grand to a motherfucker like me? Can you please remind me? Ball so hard, this shit crazy. Y'all don't know that don't shit face. And that's the goal. We're back with part two, looking at the Smashing Pumpkin Siamese Dream. How we doing, Mr. Boyd? You feeling suitably refreshed? Yeah, got another, uh, got another jar, <laughs> ready to go again. See, I've got to apologise to anybody who's listened to the last episode. You weren't a verdict season out, yeah. But yeah, I was a bit worse for wear at the end of that one. Me and Neil were sort of... We were all over the shop for about definitely the last half an hour of that episode. We're pacing tonight, though, aren't we? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm having to. Yeah. <laughs> This is another dual record, record, and we're um, yeah, probably back on back on form for the second one later. Oh, definitely. Well, I've, um, <laughs> we've had had some scorching weather, haven't we, recently? And I've <laughs> I've succumbed to uh, to buying cider, so my next one's going to be uh, going to be cider. But uh, I've got I'm, plenty of spare for you as well if you were. Oh, all right, you are good, man. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, in, in both my IPA, which I'm on now, and uh, the cider next, representing Cornwall. <laughs> Represent. Yeah. Yep. Step up. Yep. Cornish IPA, Cornish cider coming next. And been to both these breweries and both well worth a visit. We've got a few breweries, haven't we, dot, dot, dotted around here that do some decent ales. Yeah, so you've well. got uh, Batham's on the Delph. And uh, up until recently, we had the Saddlers in Lye. Yeah, the Envelails is big around here oh, as well, isn't lovely. it? Yeah. Their ginger pale ale is fantastic. You know, Mum used to work for one of the guys who's something to do with that. Yeah. yeah. You like your ciders. The Sadler's yeah. uh, rhubarb cider is a nice Nice, drop. sounds nice, yeah. yeah. I definitely nice partake in a bit of that. We'll get back in Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, this next track, track six, I would say this probably was a big favourite of mine. And as well, I honestly do think, if you're into the album so far, this and everything after this, this is where it kicks up. Massively. Kicks up, here we go. Cut you 
one thing about this, um, strings weren't being used loads at this point, were they? I've actually got here strings set it apart. I think everything about this track is is purposely set yeah. set apart from the rest of the album. Yeah. The strings are a massive part of it. And but strings weren't massive, were they? No. You know what I mean? At this point, like there's loads of people use strings now for effect, but there was definitely there definitely weren't grunge bands, you know, as such using them it using was, strings. It would have been unthinkable before this. Yeah, and maybe something in the way with the um, what's the what's the um, uh, Christ? What's that no, instrument? Not the violin. No, not the violin. Oh Christ! Is it the oboe or something? Doesn't um, Navaselic play it on the unplugged? Is there playing the big? Yeah, the I double? can see it. Yeah, yeah. Double, I don't know what it is. It's, cha- it's not a cello. Is cello, it? cello, is yes, it cello? cello, cello. It is a cello, isn't it? I think Let's it go is. with cello. Yeah, we'll go with cello. <laughs> but um, respond in the comments. This, I tell you, a negative about this song. Oh, I don't think this song's long enough. Oh, I think it could go on yeah. again. Yeah, it may may have another level to reach. I mean, it's only um, barely over three minutes long. Is it short as? Yeah. It? Barely like 10, 15 seconds over three minutes. Right. And this when we're coming round now for basically the the, the finale of the song. Yeah. And we're only uh, just just clocked two minutes in. Yeah, it's probably this is pretty an obvious epic. one, but it's the centrepiece of the album, isn't it? Yeah. This now, this is epic. Um, Epic's a good descriptor. I would say there's one thing to come up that I'd say trumps it as the highlight of the album. Oh, Just okay. One. Just one. Oh, I've got, yeah, I've got one as well, definitely, but it's on a completely different scale and key and everything. Okay. Um, the song, apparently, Billy Corgan said he never had the guts to kill his parents, so he rung, wrote a song about it instead, which is this song. He also said... It's about his childhood and how he turned him into an asshole. Uh, the BBC banned the playing of it on Radio 1 oh, because of the cut, that, that, cut little that little child, child line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the refrain, the killer in me is the killer in you, it's like, um, I am the way I am because of you, I'm doomed to repeat your mm. mistakes. It's like inherited characteristics. You get that with the with like the opener, it, Harking to the later in the song, I used to be a little boy. Yeah. Um, but the opener, uh, the opening line, disarm you with a smile, in that it, kind of a manufactured persona oh, yeah, in order yeah, to yeah, keep yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, keep the aggravation to a minimum, I yeah. suppose. It's a, it, the lyrics on that are really good. Yeah. Really good oh, lyrics on yeah, that song. Absolutely. Yeah. They would. Um, I imagine if you saw that live, it would be uh, it would be goosebumps. Band I've never you've seen them live? I've no, never seen them live. No, no, I haven't, mm. no. I know on their reunion tour they were opening with Disarm as well, which oh, really? has got to be an, an epic. opener. Yeah. That's yeah, true. they were opening with this track. Okay. That's gotta be. You've got to have some confidence. I remember I've sort of alluded to him once without name already in the podcast, but a friend of mine went to see Stevie Wonder once. He was kind of dragged to see Stevie Wonder mm. and he opened with Superstition and he was like, you've got to have some chops if you've got a song like Superstition <laughs> and you're using it as an opener. Or, or you're Rick Astley and you open with Never Gonna Give You Up and close. And close with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I've seen a few few bands repeat songs in their sets. Yeah, I've definitely seen it a couple more like that kind of act. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. your big song, like a reprise. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, next song is called Soma. This first first thing I noticed about this, it was a James E. Hard co-write. Which is very unheard of on this album. Yeah, yeah. and it also has uh, Mr. Mike Mills on piano from REM. Yeah, okay. On the didn't on, know that on the ivories. This is the ivories, isn't it? Yeah, tickling the ivories. They really double down on the despondency, don't they? Yeah. Well, the latter half of the album, there's two or three these kind of songs, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, it's particularly towards the end. I've never listened to it with them um, headphones, you know. Yeah. This kind of stuff. It actually does give a, a bit of a new layer, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It amps up the feels. Yeah, yeah. Courtney Love. There's a, a connection between Mr. Corgan and Courtney Love. She gave an interview much later after this album and said all the songs were written about her. I've seen that interpretation of some of them. Yeah, yeah. as I say, I think they are about one, but it's say it's meant to be about Corgan's ex he, he actually lived with Cor- with Courtney didn't he for a while yeah yeah well they were an item or was he just living with her yeah there was um, I've 100% to test this but didn't he have a hand in a lot of the writing on Celebrity Skin oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That their third album that was like the big album yeah wasn't it? Was that, live through this live through and that this, one I suppose, was, yeah. their, uh, was kind of their peak live through this is a good album it's alright yeah yeah it's alright uh, I think him and Courtney fell out when he refused to get to Francis Bean Sweet 16. Okay. Yeah, he like, didn't want to go or something, so yeah. they had a big fallout. And yeah. Stuff. Oh, he, he just, <laughs> gath- <laughs> gatherings may not have been his scene, who knows? Well, yeah, In general. You, you can see that, can't you? Yeah, yeah. I would have thought. Um, something I did see on, on, on the Rolling Stone website is that those, those looking for further gossip about Love and Corgan were treated to reflections about the pair by Kim Gordon. Oh, from Sonic Youth. Yes, yeah. In a in a song, it's song. Sorry, in a book, "Girl in a Band." Read it last end of last year for the first okay. time. Okay, yeah. well, you'll be aware of it. Uh, she says Courtney asked us for advice about her secret affair with Billy Corgan. Now I thought, ooh, even at the mention of Billy Corgan, who nobody liked because he was such a crybaby. I remember reading <laughs> and that. And Smashing part. Pumpkins took yeah. themselves way too seriously. I remember uh, reading about the and pumpkins. were in no way punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that paragraph now that you not so much the uh, the Courtney and Billy stuff, but the uh, the scathing criticism of um, of that book. A lot of a lot of that book's about uh, her relationship breakdown with uh, Thurston Moore. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's, it's very heavy on that. Yeah, I haven't listened to a lot of um, of their stuff. Not to be Youth. No, 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 yeah. no. I'd... A handful of songs again. Yeah, it's quite quite experimental. I think you've got to. I think you've got to pick an album and stick with it for a bit and mm. maybe for me the penny had to drop do you think you know like this kind of song yeah you know like where we were probably apart on some of the Radiohead songs yeah OK Computer to me this is more of an acceptable kind of maybe stuff along still maintaining a tune still maintaining you know what I mean it kind of serves the same kind of purpose as something like Subterranean Homesick Alien on uh, on OK yeah. Computer but it does this one does branch out into other places it's like this one kicks in at about 3.30 it's really well crafted yeah. then it harks back to the refrain 
bit of stiltskin inside, you know. <laughs> oh, d- yeah, yeah, I hear that. And the, uh, the solo later on, it really soars. Yeah. Massively. This is another one, as I said, like um, Hummer. This would have been another one where I probably would have skipped it on first yeah. listens through as a youth. Yeah. And then yeah. when I actually sat down and listened to it, I'm like, wow, this is another corker. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's, there's a lot of examples, um, yeah, that I can draw on. Um, where I feel similarly you come to appreciate things with age um, the, the crescendo of this track is really it's, it, it harks back to it, it's got a real classic rock feel to it and yes, it, it gently settles back into that melancholia so just like the album as a whole this track kind of peaks and valleys but again it's, it, it's done really really well mm, mm, definitely the I mean, the solo, the sounds on the solos and everything. Nothing's out of place, man. Fair play to um, to Corgan and Vig for the production. I mean, I know Butch was probably the main dude, but Billy was like there, sitting on his lap all the way through, oh, weren't yeah. I? Massive attention to detail, but from, from the stories you hear, you'd expect nothing less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good song. Right. I think as well something else I thought about this is it's called soma, which is yeah. uh, which is a drug, isn't it? It's a muscle, relax- muscle relaxant. Relaxant, and yeah, the, uh, the there's kind of a detached, serene feel to it. So, so without digging into oh, the yeah. lyrics too much, maybe Drift that's where the title. Away. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. where the title came from, like the effects of a soma yeah. and sort of like the reverb and the whole um, the whole ambience that's going on throughout the track. I believe the Strokes have got um, a track called Soma on it might be on their first or second album which is the not as dreamy as that but yeah, yeah same kind of same kind of deal as well. Yeah, maybe that's the reason for the title. That's that that was my take. <laughs> I said earlier about there's a three song bit and this is it we've arrived at it. These next three songs one after another in all the albums I've done so far, all the, all of the stuff, it's my favourite one, two, three punch. Okay. Yeah, I, this is like on another another level kind of thing. This next song, I think, is possibly, in my eyes, like uh, absolute alternative rock perfection. This is like just riff-tastic, solo-tastic. It's got everything. This may be... Quite literally in my top ten favourite songs of all time. Okay. Like that high up kind of thing. I mean, it's only just over five minutes, but there's so many bits in it. Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely it's not a simple arrangement or uh, yeah. or, or formulaic. It's uh, it, it does again like so many other things on this album. It's smooth, it, the smooth transition. It moves so seamlessly, yeah. kind of from one bit to to the next. It's all. Corgan wanted to drop it from the album when they recorded oh. it. This yeah, is my favourite track on the album. Well, you, you normally ask for, uh, or you sometimes ask for a top three at the end. Mm. This is down in my top three. Yeah, it is yeah, definitely yeah. in my top three. Again, the interplay between the the drum and the lead, I don't think there's a technical term for it, and it's something I don't yeah. think you can, you can kind of teach. It's, it's nah. just 
got to be something in- instinctual. Around three minutes is a uh, probably the best solo on the album. That absolutely oh, yeah. sells. That is phenomenal. Yeah. And, and there's the dropout bit where it just kills out and just goes into that. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a deep groove in the, like, yeah, the last yeah. 60 seconds and then, like you say, it drops. Oh, that, the, the last minute, yeah. yeah. But now there's a bit in where it all just bottoms out completely and we go to the, um, you know, what like we said about the soma, the drifty yeah. kind of bit as well. Uh, yeah, I, I can't think of a, a minus on this. Yeah. Do you think there's uh, religious undertones to it? don't know because I'm not sure of hardly yeah. any of the lyrics. Yeah. There's a line about expelled from paradise. Is it an Adam and Eve reference? Possibly, yeah. 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 Could it be a critique of religion because he came from a Catholic family? Didn't yeah, he, he did, yeah. He's gone on to um, launch a website, hasn't he? Everything from there to here. It's like a multi-faith okay. website devoted to mind-body-soul integration. All right. In two, 2009, I think, he put, did that, yeah. Still up? I don't know, I haven't looked. Oh, hang on, this when the riff comes back in. And this is your build up to your solo. Oh, yeah. I don't want to miss this solo when it comes in. This, as I said, we're talking about blistering solos oh, before. Yeah. This is the one, man. Are we at about three minutes now? You are. Are we at about three minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. That just makes it. For me, not the drumming highlight of the album. That comes a bit later. Oh, yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. I, we've said it before, haven't we? Why they keep trying to keep Jimmy on track. Definitely. The, you can see why. Yeah. 100%. 100%. That's the um, thing about multiple devices going on at once here. Oh, hang on. And this. Oh, no, not now. When it breaks into that. Because you think, oh yeah, song's over, that's a cracking song. And I'm always a sucker for yeah. them bits at the end, yeah. November Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, deep, deep groove. What's it called? Bring them down. What's the Lost Profits song? <laughs> what's the Lost keep, Profits? Lost Profits keep coming up. <laughs> Here we go. Love it. Okay, we go from like that, uh, probably my favourite song on we'll move the album. It to the next track. And I don't think there's. Re- there... Request here for first timers. Can we let the first 90 seconds here speak for themselves? Yes. You want an intro? Absolutely. Unparalleled. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> I've written that. What an intro. <laughs> That's it.
as vocals on this are ideally suited. Perfect. I think this is probably a vocal highlight for Definitely. music I mean, vocal yeah, balance. I agree with that. I've probably heard this track nine a hundred times and it's not hyperbole when I'm saying this genuine. I've noticed it when I'm revisiting this album, kind of in the corner like when the lead kicks in after the delicate every time goosebumps. Yeah. Genuine yeah, goosebumps. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the intricacy of um, that opening bit and then you're waiting for it to kick in and it doesn't drag it out but no. it doesn't come in too soon that's no. a sense of timing that is just god given you can't teach absolutely perfect it Co- is perfect greatest intro of all time fight me <laughs> um, yeah, best track on the album for me oh this is your best yeah. track yeah. yeah this is definitely. in my top three yeah, the, these, absolutely. yeah this, this there I can't knock it um, it always I can remember hearing this song for the first time yeah and as I say you've gone through a couple of songs where they're a bit slower at the start yeah and the first time hearing that when that as I say when the guitar just picks up that little bit before it comes in wow yeah yeah wicked love a little harmonics oh yeah <laughs> um, apparently the, the lyrics mean absolutely nothing well mayonnaise is spelt wrong yeah they're, they're equivocal but it's deliberate that's that's my observation yeah. on the lyrics that, yeah. um, that, that I've kind of got here and, and I think the reason I think it's deliberate is, is the opening line I, I think you can read into kind of the um, the abstractness of what follows it with the, with the line full enough to almost be it and cool enough to not quite see it hey yeah, it's, it's, it's just oh, oh, it's perfect. Yeah, it's oh, absolutely love this. This, if we're talking, you were talking. Were you talking top ten, top twenty all timers? Yeah, I'm not going to say it's definitely on there, but it's on the long list. It's oh, in the okay. conversation. Yeah, yeah. In in 2012, Rolling Stone had a readers poll, and this one. Uh, best pumpkin sung by a significant margin. Did you? Oh, yeah, that was well, well, well done, the voters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll agree with that. We've talked, we've talked about 1979, and probably an obvious one, but I'd say that's its its only real contender for me. You know, I never um, liked 1979 until recently. Okay, I thought it was just a bit. I don't know. I, I, I didn't get the the subtlety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Uh, and it's kind of one paced, isn't it? Yeah. Which, which is something I like yeah. usually, but I think I just love this album so oh. much. Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't even know if I've still ever listened to Melancholy all the way through in one, you know, in one go kind of thing. Yeah, you've got to set some time aside for that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah, you've got to have nothing else on that day. <laughs> I've got nothing else on some days. Yeah. Yesterday it took me like five hours to drive back from Exeter. Yeah. So, you know, that would be, be ideal definitely, for it then. Definitely. It's, <laughs> it, it's a flawed masterpiece, but without the flaws, I don't think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, do you think that it would have been better served to be like a, uh, a 13 or 14 track mega album? I'm going to go against the grain and say no. Okay, yeah. yeah for, the, for the reason mm, I just mm, said. It, mm. it Its flaws are what make it um, its ambition. You can't follow an album like this mm. with just another 12, 13 track fair dues, fair dues. rock album with, yeah. with acoustic moments. It's it's just, they, they couldn't have done it. They had, they had to go grandiose. Yeah. I yeah, think it, yeah. it was the only option. And massively successful as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Like mega, yeah. in like America especially. Definitely. Um, all right. This, as I said about, there was the, the three-song triumvirate. 
triumvirate. That yeah. is the word, isn't it? Yeah. I just want to say about the yeah, um, the fade out on uh, mayonnaise as well. Because yeah. you get the reprise of the intro. Um, oh, when the then, vocal just. Yeah. But it does actually fade out, and a lot of the time I see I see a fade out as cheating. But on this track, it's perfect. It yeah. just works. Yeah. It's just you couldn't you couldn't slow that to a stop. You've you've got to the whole its whole raison d'etre is it just works. Yeah. Uh, the, it's something I can't even articulate. The fade out is a strange one. I'm I'm still to this day torn on the fade out for whom the bell tolls, whether it's good or bad. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it does drag. Yeah. And it does fade for a long time. Yeah. I know you've done a lot of Talica and I'm not massive on them, but yeah. I do appreciate the Master of Puppets Ride the Lightning era stuff. And if I was going for a favourite Talica song, I would go for Whom the Bell Tolls. Okay. So, yeah, so, yeah mm. it, it mustn't annoy me for that reason. <laughs> Third part of that, that three song beat, another one that's got strings in it. When the chorus hits on this one, this is another, it starts slow. Oh, it's an acoustic number. They were everywhere in this era. Have you ever heard the Pearl Jam B-side footsteps? Yes. Yeah. It reminds me of yes, the Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you mean. And, and I always was like, oh, yeah, this is a nice little acoustic number. But when that chorus and those strings hit on this, it's something else. Quiet. I mentioned uh, you mentioned on the last album this what you call the sinews mm-hmm. and um, what I've, and I I really like that term and I thought I'm going to steal that. So um, <laughs> on this album, depending on what you came for, because um, Pumpkins kind of hit both sides of the coin. Yeah. I've got Quiet and this track Space Boy as like the sinews of the album that okay. kind of glue it all together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just perfect with the pacing and yeah, just delicate, intricate, vulnerable. Simple but effective. Yeah, really. You could probably, for me, possibly you could have like swapped this and the next track around, because I think the next track sort of comes out of nowhere. Where we we seem to be on a bit of a a downward um, tempo wise in the album now. Yeah, you I, know what I, I mean. I kind of get that. But Mayonnaise is still up there, but it's it's definitely a you know it's a slower. Yeah, I think it kind of had to go down to come back up the next track spoiler for anyone yeah. who hasn't heard the yeah, album yeah, yeah. the next yeah. track comes back up and then some yeah oh god yeah um yeah I, I, I'm very loath to say the same things as other shows but Spice Boy written about Billy's so autistic or disabled in some way brother yeah did he have I'm it's not something. sure what his exact condition something. was yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh 
Yeah, I don't know. You don't know much about him, but I suppose that's what you don't anyway, do you? No, no, no. I can't, no. I can't really dig into the no. minutiae of that one. No, not at all. Okay, so we'll have that one. And the next one, um, I can remember back in the day when people used to go, oh, yeah, I love uh, the Siamese Dream. I love today. Uh, I love Disarm. I love Silver Fuck. Yeah, because it's probably one of the greatest song titles ever. It's it's memorable. Yeah. It's memorable. Yeah, it is probably memorable. Uh, so yeah, this would be Silver Fuck. over this one because it's a near nine minute yeah, it's song it's a long one isn't it this and the headline of this for me is six words Jimmy Chamberlain take a bouncer absolute masterclass in drumming this is phenomenal yeah absolutely phenomenal yeah um, I think once again going back to the all encompassing grunge thing yeah. like obviously Mr Grohl comes out of grunge as a a bit of a, a standout drummer. Yeah, a bit of a hero. Obviously, we said about Big Dave. Yeah. And Matt Cameron. Yep. As well. And then you've got your man here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was he in any other bands? Jim Chamberlain. He's done, other, he's done side projects. Like side projects. I've yeah. definitely seen, not seen him, but I've definitely heard him playing on something else as well. And yeah. I can't remember what it yeah, was now. He's, he's done a number of collaborations. I'd maybe add Barrett Martin to that list from uh, Screaming Trees. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I see. I'm not massively au okay with a lot of Screaming Trees yeah. stuff. It's some I should actually give a listen. Really. You may be a fan of uh, the Mad Season album. Yeah, album. I've heard the Mad Season yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. He's the drummer on that. Band, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sort of Lane and McCready. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've obviously heard it because of that yeah. tie-in. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realise he was on that. That's a phenomenal bit of kit. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good, good album. Yeah, it's not that long, is it? If no, I remember. 35, 40 minutes. Yeah, it's maybe. not that long an album. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there someone might come and come yeah. on there. Um, yeah, Silverfuck, what are you going to say to us about apart from apart from Jimmy's drumming? Yeah, ma- massive jam, it's hypnotic. It's uh, kind of a forerunner to some things they do later on. There's a track I'm itching for them to do a studio version of, but there's a track that they've done live called Gossamer. Mm. It goes about 19, 20 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. Bloody hell. And yeah. The, the slow middle third, I think it's like kind of Pink Floyd-esque, but there's a real natural tension. It's like, you know it's going to kick back into life. You know it's going to explode at some point. It's like old prog rock. Yeah, you're waiting <laughs> for it. Yeah. And then there's there's that refrain when it's at its kind of lowest ebb. There's the bang, bang, you're dead. Yes. But yeah. it really draws it out. Oh, yeah, it does. And this track is a massive cocktease 
because you you're just waiting for that explosion back in and it comes. Yeah, oh, it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does make you wait for it. It's uh, yeah, it's it's really hypnotic. It kind of kind of reminds me of I'm talking of uh, Barrett Martin, funnily enough, but um, Mark Lanigan, who was the frontman in Screaming Trees. Yes. I saw him live a couple of times uh, in the one year, and both times they were supported by a band called uh, Creature with the Atom Brain. They were never I heard think of them. They're Belgian. Okay, yeah, but never heard of them. Finished with a track called. Um, Transylvania <laughs> and it just had this incessant bass line that went on and on and on for the full six minutes of this yeah. track and then they finished and they were off and me and Lee the guy I was there with um, in, when we saw him in Birmingham mm-hmm. at the Institute we were just there and we didn't say anything to each other for a, it must have been a minute afterwards and I kind of stopped and we, we looked at each other and like uh, uh, uh. And he's like, are you still like... Still reverberating. Yeah, yeah, I've still got that bass line going on and on in my head. and That's the kind of vibe I get from this track. It's uh, it, it, it kind of entrances you to uh, to kind of stop what you're doing and, and, and yeah. stick with it and see where it goes. Well, I think with a, with a nine-minute song, you've got to sort of go in different directions. You've got to be yeah. invested. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, people aren't going to stick with just that we'll go on to their gigs uh, something we hit on here August the 31st 2019 was the last gig the Pumpkins played uh, they played three songs off this album Okay. Uh, they opened with Today then okay. D- Disarm Midset and Cherub Rock was like in the last two or three songs yeah um, their most played songs ever. Number two is today. Cherub Rock's four and Disarm is five. Okay. They they are obviously been set mainstays. The most ever played song is Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Is it? Okay. Which you know coming on the third album at least five or six years into the band being yeah. around. Yeah, that's you know. Yeah, and it's kind of it. It's is it about track five or six on that album? So yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, that's a, not where the um, that's a song where that, the perpetual um, live numbers kind of come from. Oh really. no, well, yeah. surely the hallowed number three. Yeah, on a lot of albums like this, I we mean, do today, like number three. Number don't three we? is usually like uh, the big, well, a big song, yeah. isn't it? Um, I always tie uh, bullet with butterfly wings into like wrestling again because didn't like TNA always used to use it for. Uh, promoting what was their pay per view they did and it was all cage matches. Oh, was it lockdown? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and they always used to use Excorgan was yeah. something to do with them, weren't they? I saw a review before. once with a um, of, of a card with a uh, with a cage match main event for a title. And, yeah. Um, the I can't remember who wrote the review, but the um, the tagline to it was um, I can't remember who was involved, but um, it stuck out as despite all my rage, I'm still just a transitional champion in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> Is that bit you? Is that a cringe about? lyric now? The rat in a cage. It was profound when you were fifteen, wasn't it? Oh well, yeah. I, th- I think it probably is, but only because of how it's sort of transcended, hasn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Baby, Is that bit goes on about? Waiting for that for a good two minutes beforehand. Yeah, oh and yeah. It's just, it builds a natural tension. Yeah. It's masterful. Yeah. Good song, good song. We like Silverfuck. Uh, next song is like a little 
It's only a little ditty, isn't it? It's almost an interlude. Yes. Probably a palate cleanser. Probably couldn't. Probably could have been left off the album in all, in, all honesty. Probably. My... If one could, this is yeah. the one. I mean, you, you're loath to pick a weakest track. Yeah. Is, is this the one? Again, it's kind of juxtaposed to kind of the, the ferocity of, uh, of Silverfuck. So, mm. again, that's. Um, that contrast is is coming back. It's a recurring theme within songs, but throughout the album as well. So they broke up around 2000, didn't they? It was post Machina, wasn't it? Yeah. That, that, that then? Probably about, probably about 2001, I'd say. And when they've got back together, Darcy hasn't been playing with them, has she? She's never played with them since, no. I, Her last, the last album she did, she appear on Adore? Mm-mm-mm. I don't think so, because I read an interview with her. Uh, where she said that Billy had been talking in some interview and saying, oh, yeah, you know, I've put the messages out to everyone. Yes. And she says she did get a message, but then she was trying to recontact him and he would never get back to her and yeah. it just sort of fizzled out kind of yeah. thing there. But the other guys have on it, obviously. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of the yeah. the rest of the original lineup and two others. Uh, I know Jeff's been playing with them for years and years now. Was it since Zeitgeist, maybe? Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of those albums? Oceana's okay. Yeah. Did you like Zwan? That was okay, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Because that was obviously with another bunch of yeah, dudes completely. Yeah, I think completely. Was, um, was Paz from uh, Perfect Circle and Queens of a Stone Age part of that, uh, part of um, that project? I, can't, I don't know, mm. honestly. Yeah. The last two Pumpkins albums have been... They're not for me, let's say. I tried to listen to the the last one. What's the last one? It's, it's CYR. I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce yeah, it. Some, Sire, something like that, yeah. Um, I've only seen it written down. I only tried once, and I, I think I probably got just over halfway in, and I was like... Same. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I'll go back to it. I'll try and you know, give it a listen. Not feeling it. Kind of like hark back to... Um, Chinese Democracy and Axel and the Paper Cuts. If you call it something other than Smashing Pumpkins, mm. maybe it gets a bit more traction with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't shit, you know, but just not... Yeah. yeah. We're not there anymore, are we? No, so, but that's the thing, yeah. I think. Going back to the new metal, really, and the... Um, kind of go back to Corn, our mutual friend, Mr. Boot, has told me that their last album's really, really good. And mm-hmm. I was massively into Corn at like the turn of the 2000s, mm. but it's kind of, for me, it was of its time and it can stay there. Mm. So no real desire to revisit it. That's, yeah. it, it. It was of its time. I never really got on board with the whole, with the whole Corn mm. thing. Not at all. Okay, so this is the last track, Luna. Very melancholy closer. Which we like, don't we? Oh, yeah, we do. And I think the way it kind of um, transitions from Silverfuck, which is like the kind of crescendo, the shootout of the album, if you like, and mm. it, it kind of goes on and it, it goes off in a few different directions, to the brevity of Sweet, and then you go into this, it's, it's vocally really frail. Um, the strings uses strings again but they're really understated they're low yes, in the mix are. and how it kind of slows down to that stop this kind of final one two three of the album it's almost cinematic in, in a way and I don't and I think that's by design as well totally, totally. <laughs> I think yeah. there's not much about this album that isn't deliberate oh man oh, I reckon this track listing was poured and poured over oh yeah if the recording was as 
yeah. in in depth as it's meant to have been, and then yeah. the track listing was as well. I don't sure think is. anything is to chance. No, nothing. No. And I struggle to fault the track listing. I really do. Yeah, I do. I, you know, as I said, when when I was younger, you always used to think, oh, it tiles off a bit at the end, but it doesn't. I think the the second half of the album's. I'd prefer that to the first half of the album, really. Now, yeah, I think, kind of as a, um, as a first couple of listens, even first couple of years, you prefer the first half, but you kind of, it's a stayer. I think we've established that, and I think you gravitate more towards the second half of the album as listens progress and as mm-hmm. years go by, probably. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, summing it up. Summing up first, Billy Corgan. A, what do you think his legacy in music is? And B, where do you think he should be sitting now? Okay, his legacy is probably... Aside from just blatantly saying Smashing Pumpkins, Yeah. what what part of that? Okay, Um, from this album through Adore... I know it. Yeah, yeah. I would put a door as part of the peak. I know it wasn't really very well received at the time, but I like how he wouldn't sit still. He wouldn't rest on his laurels. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how he went from this album to the epic two disc um, melancholy. Um, mm-hmm. I love the ambition. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then he he kind of added. Um, kind of synths and loops um, moved towards electronica at a time where no one else was really doing it so he wasn't afraid to take those risks do you think that was um, not necessarily hopping aboard because it was years earlier but you know you know like Trent Reznor and the Nine Inch Nails oh, kind yeah. of side of stuff heavily influenced by that do you think there's an element definitely you know what I mean yeah how much of that's direct influence I wouldn't like to say, but it's yeah. it's it's in the same ballpark. Uh, once again, were these not emo before emo? I'm not. That isn't what I'm mm. saying. But because surely the ultimate band for that is REM. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's maybe it's the buffer between REM and the um, your My Chemical Romances and your um, yeah, Saves I, the Days and bands yeah. of that uh, cut from that cloth. I mean, do you think, like, nowadays... Do you think that Billy Corgan has got it in him now to put out an album of this stature and be as successful now? Probably not. No. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, yeah, but I think that's... Yeah, I don't think anyone's sort of three decades deep into their recording career and can move no. the needle to that extent. No, no, no. You've got to be literally, like, the mainstream of mainstreamist following the trends, Madonna-esque kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it'd have to do something remarkably different, which I suppose, would you say Johnny Cash maybe did that in his latter maybe, days? I know you're not a fan. That, that, I could have put that in that guy's question earlier about someone who I'm Ooh, not really okay. on board with. I don't see the Johnny Cash thing. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I've, I've, from this episode, we've... Um, We've gleaned that um, as a reverse hot fuss, if we're going to reverse <laughs> roles, we're either doing uh, American Recordings Volume 1 by Johnny Cash or Fire by Electric Six. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd do an Electric Six album. Yeah, definitely, that'd be something. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if I could do a Johnny Cash one. 
I'm putting myself through something for somebody okay. to do on a on an upcoming recording that I'm not a fan of at all. But I'm, I'm yeah, I'm doing it. Uh, tell me off camera, <laughs> off mic. So summing it up, grade a grade for Smashing Pumpkins, Simon's Room. I'll go first. Yeah, I will give it an A. It is in. Easily in my top 20 albums of all time, possibly pushing the top 10. And I would say it probably is. It, I, I don't think I've bigged it up enough on, on this, but I really think it's like there. I love yeah. it. love the track listing. I don't think there's a wasted thing apart from Sweet Sweet, maybe. Today lifts it up that little bit more for me. It's overplayed, but I can see it's a seminal, that time, early 90s classic. Uh, it's an A for me. Yeah. Um, as Morgan Freeman said to Brad Pitt at the end of uh, Seven, for the first time ever, you and I are in total agreement. Um, <laughs> I kind of had it pegged because I'm conscious of the fact we've done two albums that are very, that are massive ones for me and one yeah. that's quite the opposite. So I was kind of loath to go straight, A. Eh? So on the basis of kind of sweet, sweet and today being overplayed yeah i was itching towards trying to justify an a minus but i'll mm. match your a mm. let's 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 go the full hog i'll match your a and raise cool yeah but yes smashing pumpkins uh we like it hopefully you liked it if you did like it or you didn't like it you agree you disagree you can get in touch you can uh, drop me an email jukeboxpod at gmail.com you can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. A lot of contact of them over the past couple of weeks. Get in touch. Just, yeah, spread the word, man. Spread the word of the show. You enjoyed that one? Yeah, you can't fail to enjoy it. And That's a good one. Been a good day. All right, we'll... Uh, this is a part, a two-part recording session. We've nearly hit two hours on that, so what do you want to play us out with? Right, um, digging back into the episode... Um, mentioned that uh, Deftones don't get a get a lot of love and I don't think they've had a play mm-hmm. um, on the podcast so far so they let's change not. that and go with a Deftones track let's pick something probably not from one of the early albums let's go with uh, You've Seen the Butcher by Deftones You've Seen the Butcher yeah. here we go I've never heard this song before ever Banger Some new metal there, isn't there? Definitely. They still belong in that uh, yeah. pantheon, don't they? One, one thing I forgot to say just in the episode. Corgan's kids. Yeah. His son is Augustus Jupiter Corgan. Okay. And his daughter is uh, Philomena Clementine Corgan. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You can kind of do that when yeah. you're a celeb, but that's, that's kind of eked into sort of regular culture now anyway. There's yeah. no Gary's left anymore, are there? There's no Gary. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you for listening. Thank you very much, Stuart Boyd. Catch you next time. Farewell. <laughs>